As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your jovial podcast host. This week I want to talk about Cheers. And it's hard to believe that Cheers premiered 38 years ago this month. That's right, 38 years ago on September 30th, 1982, Thursday night at 9.30, Cheers premiered on the NBC television network. And, you know, we look back... And it was a major milestone, but at the time, we were the world's best-kept secret. And 11 years later, the series would end with 84 million people celebrating and watching. But the night of its premiere, it was just about 50 of us sitting in the back room of a restaurant. And that's what I want to talk about this week on Hollywood and Levine, the opening night of Cheers. Well, the ratings the next morning were dismal. (laughs) And they would stay terrible for an entire year. But none of that mattered on that night, September 30th, 1982. uh, The show was actually going to be on the air. Now, the script, a brilliant script, and to this day, I maintain, it is one of the best pilots ever ever, written by Glenn and Les Charles, and it was directed by Jim Burroughs. And the three of them combined, they had their production company. They all worked together on Taxi and before that at MTM, and they were put together and they had a deal at NBC to create a show, and they had a guaranteed 13 on the air. And this was 1981, and they came up with the first draft of Cheers, but it took an extra year for the show to get on the air. Why? Well, (laughs) why do these things always happen in Hollywood? There's a Writers Guild strike. That's why. There was a big WGA strike in 1981, and so that pretty much put everything on hold. But the good news for the Charles brothers and Jimmy is that it gave them extra time to cast. They were able to really see lots and lots of people that they normally wouldn't have the opportunity to do. Because I'm here to tell you that normally during pilot season, it's like musical chairs. It's crazy because every show is casting within a three to four week period. Actors are going from one audition to the next And in order to be approved by the network, a deal has to be in place beforehand so that if the actor gets the job, he can't just then hold up the studio. So deals are set before actors go to the network. And so there's all these deals being made. And an actor will come in at 11 o'clock in the morning and read for you. And you go, yeah, okay, this guy was pretty good. Uh, Put him down for a call back. Maybe we'll see him again in another week or so. And then you get a call an hour later from the casting director saying, uh, he's up for another pilot at ABC and he's going into the network at 4 o'clock. So if you want him, 
we have to make a deal to stop the ABC deal. And you're going, well, uh, I like the guy. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to commit to him because if you make the deal and ABC says, yeah, that's who we pick, then that's who you got. So you're really kind of, you know, playing Russian roulette here a little bit because he could go into the network at four o'clock and I'd get it. And then he's, you know, out on the street again and he'll see you for a callback. But it could be somebody who you really like and then he's gone at 4.30 because he was approved by ABC and he's now in another pilot and he's not available. Anyway, long story short there, the Charles brothers had ample time to do their casting. We first met with the Charles brothers Early in the spring of 1982, David and I had a deal with Lorimar, and we got a call, I got a call from Jim Burroughs, who we knew from our MTM days of working on the Tony Randall Show. And Jimmy said, hey, uh, me and the Charles brothers have this show. Would you guys be interested in coming in and producing it with us? And at first, our thought was, well, we're producing our own shows. We're coming up with pilots and stuff. Well, why do we want to step back and do someone else's? But we said, yeah, sure, send us the script. We'll read it. And both of us read the script and said, oh, God, this is fantastic. We'd be idiots not to get involved with this. So we then went in to meet the Charles brothers. I know this is kind of a tangent. Uh, you know, We'll get back to the actual first night in a few minutes, but first there's you know, all of this backstory that we got to get through. So we meet the Charles brothers for the first time. And I remember it was an 11 o'clock meeting. And at 2.30 that afternoon, my wife and I were going to see the doctor. My wife was pregnant. And at the time, the doctor suspected that we had twins. And all I could remember sitting in that cheers meeting with Glenn and Les was, oh my God, twins. What am I going to do with twins? How am I going to handle twins? And, you know, we answered questions and asked questions and it was a very pleasant meeting, but really it was secondary on my mind to (laughs) the twins. So at 2.30, we get the sonogram and it turns out, no, it's only one, our son Matthew. And I'm very relieved, and I call David, and David said, um, hey, we just got a call from our agent that uh, Paramount Business Affairs called her, and they're offering us a job on Cheers. And I said, oh, fantastic. And then I paused for a moment, and I said to David, "Uh, could you do me a favor? Could you tell me what happened in that meeting today? It occurred to me that I had retained nothing from that meeting, absolutely nothing. So David had to recount the meeting, what they said, what we said, what the theme of the show was going to be like, what the working conditions were going to be like, all of that stuff. It was like completely new to me because I was just a a zombie in that meeting. How I made it through and how we actually got hired I do not know. So anyway, we were there for the filming of the pilot. The pilot was shot in spring. 
And the writing staff, when the show began, was just Glenn and Les Charles and David Isaacs and me. That was it, just the four of us. Now, we did have a consultant who came in on reading days when the show was in production. That was Jerry Belson. And we also had a consultant on rewrite nights, which was David Lloyd, the great David Lloyd from the Mary Tyler Moore show and Taxi, David Lloyd, who wrote the famous Chuckles Bites the Dust episode for MTM. Well, he was our one-day-a-week guy. But in terms of the staff... In terms of just the everyday breaking stories, writing scripts, rewriting scripts, that was really just the four of us. Now you look at a writing staff and there are 15 people. But back then it was literally just the four of us. We also had some scripts from outside writers, but a lot of those were ringers. Those were guys from the MTM and taxi world that Glenn and Les Charles knew. So Earl Pomerantz did some scripts for us. Sam Simon did some scripts for us. David Lloyd did some scripts for us. Also Ken Esten. So we had some heavy hitters doing some freelance scripts. And David and I wrote five episodes ourselves that year. Okay, so the show goes into production the beginning of August. And by the time we premiered, we already had shot six or seven episodes. Now, to help the studio audience familiarize themselves with the show, because remember, they're coming in off the street. They have no idea what this show is that they're watching, and it's episode five. So we would show them an abridged version of the pilot. So between the editing of the pilot and seeing the abridged version of the pilot, I must have seen the pilot close to 100 times. I literally had it memorized, shot for shot, by the time it finally aired. Now it was September, and now the show was finally going to be shown to the world. I mean, I remember being so excited in the summer when a promo would air, and for a few fleeting seconds, there would be the bar on TV, just like the one that I see every day on stage 25 at Paramount. It's kind of how I felt when I was a teenager and there was an episode of the FBI that was filmed at the Woodland Hills Library and I was coming out of the library that day and they were shooting a scene and the back fin of my comet, my Mercury comet, was in the shot. I actually saw it on television. It was truly unbelievable. So what do you do for the first night? Well, Glenn and Les and Jimmy threw a first night party at a very swank Hollywood restaurant called Chasen's. For several decades, Chasen's was the Hollywood hotspot. I mean, you could go any night and there would be Cary Grant or Jimmy Stewart or... Ronald Reagan before and even during uh, his stint as president of the United States. Elizabeth Taylor, they were all there. 
the steaks and they had this like ice mountain of seafood. They were known for their chili. It was the Hollywood hotspot for, like I said, 20 years or so. So we all walked through the restaurant and our party was in the back room where there were six or seven large tables set up and there were four or five large TVs strategically placed around so that everybody could see them. And we all dressed up, okay? It was jackets and ties, dresses for the ladies. I mean, if you were going to bump into the President of the United States at the bar, you had to look nice, okay? Well, Cheers, in general, was a very dressy show. We always wore jackets and ties on the stage on filming nights. And anytime there was a, a first night party or a Christmas party or a closing night party, whatever it was, you dressed up. You looked nice. So we all arrive at 6 o'clock at night for cocktails. I did not see Reagan that night, but I did see Carol Lindley. Mood was very high, as you could imagine. The reviews were in. And most of them were very positive. There were uh, a few pans. I'll be honest with you. you There were a few pans. It was not universally loved. But basically, the show was praised. And hopefully, that would bring us some viewers. Certainly not the print ad that NBC took out that day. Oh, Christ. It was this full-page ad with like a drawing of the Cheers cast, and all over the ad, in big block letters, was ha, 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 H-A-H-A-H-A. Just embarrassing. It's like, see, this is a comedy. This is a comedy, people. Well, it, it didn't work, like I said. Now it's 6.30, and everybody checked their watch, because... We knew that we were on on the East Coast. Even though we couldn't see it ourselves, it was very cool knowing that others actually could. And I think a couple of people called their relatives back East just to make sure it was on. You know, is it on? Can can you see it? Is it the bar? Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, Believe it or not, we couldn't text anybody back in those days. That's how long ago it was. So after seven o'clock, my wife phoned her parents in Brooklyn and her dad said, uh, tell her to stick with the bartender. High praise indeed. So it's now time to eat. There was no assigned seating, but as usually happens with these things, the actors will gravitate to one table and the writers will gravitate to another. I dare say that there were more laughs at our table than the actor's table. I recall David Lloyd sitting at our table, which is like having Noel Coward hang out with you for a couple of hours. We laughed our asses off the entire night. Dinner was served. Like I mentioned, great steaks, these ice towers of lobster and seafood, you know, flaming dishes all over the place. We had chicken pies. We had chicken pot pies. Not quite sure 
who made that decision. I think one of the Charles brothers' wives. But that was our dinner, chicken pies. Okay. And it became the tradition because every year we would then hold our first night party at Chasen's and every year there were those chicken pies. So the TVs were on, but with the sound muted. And finally, at like 9.28, the audio appeared and the anticipation built. I had never been more excited to see something I had already seen a gazillion times before. The room stilled. At 9.30, the show came on and the room went nuts as each credit rolled. Another big cheer went up. Uh, Each actor entered and received huge applause from everybody in the room. Forget that the rest of America at this time was going, who's this clown? I suspect that the experience of seeing your show on the air for the first time is ruined today by all of the meatball logos that are in the corner, all of the flashy banners and animated promos that completely obliterate any mood or scene. Not that the network gives a shit. So we all laughed at every joke, again, even though we had heard them over and over again. Uh, By this time, my wife, who had gone to filmings, she could recite the script line by line. And when the show ended, to more enthusiastic applause, it was 10 minutes of everybody just standing up, walking around, congratulating everybody, hugging everybody, and then the toasts began. Now, David and I were new to this, but apparently they did this on taxi and maybe even at MTM, but... Everybody would have to stand up and give a toast. And of course, as a writer, you're expected to be pithy and funny. And in future years, we prepared for this. In future years, I had my my little toast ready to go. But this was like, wait, toast? Huh? What? So one by one... All of the writers, all of the actors, pretty much anybody in the room would have to give a toast. Every year, the best, the most poignant was always Les Charles. I don't remember what I said, but it it got a couple of laughs and um, it didn't kill anybody, but uh, I, you know, I survived it. My favorite was Jerry Belson, who again came in one day a week. And Jerry just stood up and said, thanks for the money and sat back down. So at 11 o'clock, we all headed home. Tonight, we were part of the best show on television. Tomorrow, we'd be part of the lowest rated show on the lowest rated network. And I am so proud and honored to be associated with Cheers, low these 38 years later. I've been extremely lucky, as you know, to be a part of a number of iconic shows. And I'm often asked, which was my favorite? And that's always kind of hard to do because there's elements of Frasier and MASH and Cheers that 
I, I really love and I really relate to. And there's sentimental reasons why I like one show as opposed to another. But if somebody puts a gun to my head and says, of the three, which is your favorite? I would have to say, cheers. David and I wrote 40 episodes. Maybe it's because, unlike MASH, we were there from the very beginning. And we're all the same age as the actors and the writers, and we're all starting out together. And maybe the fact that the show did struggle early on and uh, it was kind of a bunker mentality. And we all really felt like one cohesive team that we were going to somehow manage to let this show rise out of the ashes like a phoenix. But like I said, if I had to pick, Cheers would be my favorite. 40 episodes David and I wrote, and I never got tired of writing those characters. In fact, when the show was over, I was really depressed. And I would love to sit down and write another episode of Cheers to this day. I could skip the norm entrances, but in terms of the characters and in terms of the story, also the idea of a sports bar and everyone knowing your name and my baseball background, uh, it was just a show that I related to more than Frasier or MASH. Not that I'm not super proud to be associated with both of those shows, but I couldn't write off my bar bill as research for 11 years on those shows the way it was on Cheers. And here's the best part. Sometimes you look back at a chapter of your life with a Acknowledgement that, you know, it really was a golden period, but you didn't realize it at the time. You were so immersed in the work, whatever else was going on, that you didn't realize what a shimmering time it was. And I have to say, with cheers, I knew from day one, from that first chicken pie that this was special, and I was incredibly fortunate to be along for the ride. So happy anniversary to Cheers, and that will do it for this week on Hollywood and Levine. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, to Howard Hoffman, John Wolford, Bruce, and Jason Miller. If you would like to get in touch with me, my email address is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. I'm on Twitter, at Ken Levine. I'm also on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. I'm trying to beef up my Instagram, so uh, follow me on that, would you? I mean, I do post pictures, you know, at least a couple times a week. Um, Sometimes I get four likes, but still, anyway, uh, (laughs) Hollywood and Levine on Instagram. God, I'm shameless. And uh, what else? Subscribe if you haven't subscribed. Please be safe. Wear a mask. Watch Cheers on Hulu and Netflix and wherever else it's playing. What I am going to do 
is on September 30th, I am going to watch the pilot again. Or I'm just going to recite the pilot. One of the two. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I will join you again next week. Bye-bye. Hollywood and the Vine.